I think this is important for you and I to realize that in the work of God's kingdom, God is doing the work, but he asks us to be engaged in it. And I think for a lot of us, we forget that God wants to partner with you to see his kingdom enter the world. And I think for a lot of us, we need to start making space for the work of God's kingdom because it actually takes people to do it. God could have done it where it doesn't take people, but God actually enjoys having you involved. God most certainly doesn't need our help. He could probably get a lot more accomplished without us, in fact. However, our Creator actually enjoys our involvement in His work and wants to be part of our lives. Pastor Daniel tells us in today's message that this is why God created us, because of love. He loves us so much that He wants us to work alongside Him, spreading His joy to all the world and fighting for good and truth. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message, The Reward for Your Actions. It's so easy to go through a a lot of time and do a lot of stuff, even good stuff, godly stuff, but actually miss out on the most important things. So take heed to yourselves. Allow the Spirit of God, as David wrote, Search my heart and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You're saying, Holy Spirit, do your good work in me. Search me, know me, reveal yourself in me and show me who I am. Take heed to yourself, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, verse 16. Now, this is the curse of affluence, right? He just told me he's going to bless the land. And you know what happens? They go into the land and it's blessed and they start to turn to other gods. See, something happens when we're not in a place of desperation. Like, we get spiritually lazy. It's like when you're in a place of desperation, when there's significant needs, it's like God is the only one who can take care of this, so you press in. But then once God does the thing and you're at a place of ease, like, we have a tendency to back off a little bit. And really what happens is we see God's blessing, but then all of a sudden we forget that God blessed us with it. And so my prayer for us is that each one of us finds ourselves in a state of always being hungry for God. That we're like, Lord, I'm satisfied in you and I want so much more. You know what I mean? Because what happens is it's for a lot of us, when you're walking in God's blessing, you have a tendency to forget that God has done all this. And you begin to ascribe it to other things, like ascribing it to ourselves. I did this. I'm a self-made person. This all happens because of me. That's idolatry. That's self-worship when that happens. And again, when that happens for the people of God, it says the Lord's anger is aroused and he will shut up. Now, I think we need to make sure we clarify here when we start talking about the Lord's anger. We are living on this side of the cross. You have to realize as God's kids, God took out all of his anger for our rebellion on Jesus on the cross. You have to make sure you get that right because so many of us as Christians, we're actually living as if 
we're pre-death and resurrection of Jesus. No, no, no. We're on the other side of the cross. All of God's anger against sin, he took out on Jesus on the cross. And if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, God is not angry with you, but you can grieve his heart because of his great love for you. So some of you right now think God is angry with you. He's not angry with you. He took out all of that anger, righteous anger, at Jesus at the cross. That's the finished work of Jesus. That is why Jesus is absolutely so important because God is not angry with you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus and God punished Jesus for all the stuff that you're doing right now and God wants us to respond to that grace and say, Lord, I'm not gonna do that anymore. See, that's how transformation happens. It's not self-help, pull your bootstraps up. It's us learning how to respond to the grace of God. And what's amazing is when you respond to the grace of God, the Bible calls that repentance. That word literally means to turn back, to turn from your own way back to God. And that is a response to the grace of God. It's a response to the promptings of the Spirit. And I know that in each one of our lives right now, that's what God is doing, right? He's prompting us, saying, oh, no, 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 stop that. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. No, no, you used to do that. Don't go back to that stuff. That stuff's no good for you. And each one of us needs to just respond to that and turn back to the Lord and say, oh, sorry, Lord. But he's not angry at you. And if you're one of those people who think that God is angry with people, you need to read your Bible and you need to pray. Because God's not angry at you. You have to understand what the cross of Jesus Christ was all about. We have a tendency to think with a old covenant mindset in a new covenant age. And God wants to transform us into people who understand grace, who understand that God's not mad. See, like, when my kids do something wrong, I shouldn't be mad at them. My heart will grieve because of their decisions, but my anger will never produce the righteousness of God in my kids. And isn't that what our Bible says? The anger of man will not produce the righteousness of God. But what will? It's the goodness of the Lord that leads a person to repentance. See, it's God's great love and his grace. And so if you're one of those people who thinks God is angry at you, stop that. That's not what the Bible says. We're on this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm so great. We're in this age of grace, what we call the last days. And if you're one of those people who think that God is angry at Christians, you got to stop that too. Because God's not angry at his kids. He loves them. Now, You're saying, well, what about people who aren't Christian? Yes, God wants to forgive them. There's enough power in the cross to forgive them, but if they will not receive Jesus, then they will be responsible for all the mistakes that they made on themselves, and they will be the recipients of God's anger. But not because God is angry at them. God already provided the provision for their salvation, but they rejected it. And I think this is an important, again, another one of those distinctions we need to make. Someone is bound to say, well, I don't want to believe in a God who would condemn someone to hell. I'm like, listen, you're not thinking about this properly. You have a disease that is terminal, and Jesus is the antidote. He is the prescription. Now, if you choose not to take the antidote, you can't get mad at God for providing the prescription to heal you. It's your fault. God could hold you down and jam it down your throat, but that wouldn't be quite perfect of God, would it? But we like, I don't want to believe, no. All of humanity has a death sentence, and Jesus is the fix. He is the great physician. He is the great healer. So God's not mean. God has provided. The problem is, is you're not taking the medicine. And when you do that, you're saying, I'm smarter than God. And guess what? 
You know that's not true. You know what I mean? Like, we're not even smarter than the people sitting next to us. I mean, you're all smarter than I am. I'm sure of that. You know what I mean? So it's like, and God is the all-knowing one. Okay, let's move on to the next section. Okay, verse 18. Look at what it says. Therefore, you shall... Yeah, always say that again. When you hear the therefore, what do you say? What's it there for? You guys are good. You guys are Bible scholars. I love this. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. Now, this is a, a recapitulation or a reiteration of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9. Remember the great Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then it goes through all this thing. You shall teach them to your children. You shall bind them on your hands and on the frontlets of your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts and on your gates. See, what this is, is this is a reminder that God wants his word to be ever present in our lives. That we have a responsibility to disciple our children, to pass forward the faith that has been entrusted to us to the up and coming generation. That's why we take, I love that about Crossroads. I mean, my kids came home on Sunday and they explained to me the entire story of King Ahab, his wife Jezebel, and them knocking that guy off to get his vineyard. And I love that. I'm like, I love that our kids' ministry is radically fun, but rigorously biblical. Because fun is the way to get God's word into kids, not being serious, putting them in a classroom for another day. Fun is the vehicle to get God's word into kids. And we do that here. In our student ministry, Pastor Robbie this evening is teaching a message on Philippians chapter one. So our middle schoolers and high school, they're getting the word of God. And see, God wants his word to be always in our lives, to be as the front, like it's always before our eyes, on our hands, everything about our hands, the word of God is there. We want to be written on our houses, all those plaques. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We want our words to be the foundation of our homes, of our families, of our communities. Now, of course, when I taught this back in Deuteronomy chapter six, now many moons ago, because of the rate we're going, I reminded you that the Jewish people ended up doing phylacteries and all these different things, they actually took scrolls of these words and would bind them on their hand. If you ever go to Israel, you'll see they have them wrapped on their head. They have things called mezuzahs, which are little things they put on their doorposts that literally has the scroll of the Shema in it. And I love the idea, but it's actually an over-literalization of what God is wanting to do. Because listen, you could tattoo scriptures on your hands and not follow them. You can put Bible pages on your doorposts of your house and never look at them or think about them. So what God wants is he wants our lives to be continually founded on his word. You got to ask yourself, is my life continually founded on God's word? Listen, you're like, well, Fusco, we're here at church tonight. I mean, leave us alone, you know. But are you reading the word? Are you texting the word to, to your loved ones? Are you teaching your kids memory verses? Are you having devotional times together? You know, we live in a day and age where in some ways you're like, well, I don't really like reading. Well, you can get James Earl Jones doing it. If you like an English accent, you get Max McLean doing it. You know what I mean? Someone told me that there's a chipmunk's Bible. 
You know what I mean? Like your kids, my kids will listen to Alvin, Simon, and Theodore say anything. You know what I mean? It's like whatever you need, you can get. You're like, well, I don't really understand the kingdom. We'll get the new game. I don't understand. Get the NIV. Get an Amplified. I mean, like there's, we're a podcast. We can have it on video. I mean, you could put it on YouTube and it'll just keep rotating and get you to the next chapter. It's like there's no excuse in this day and age. But no matter how many vehicles we have to get God's word in us, it's the one thing that Satan's going to push everything against so you don't get the word in you. My pastor, John Henry Corcoran, on the inside of his Bible, when he grabbed his father's Bible, on the front cover it said, this book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. It's the one book that there's spiritual warfare against. You can read any book on the New York Times bestseller list. You can read every comic book, and Satan couldn't care less. You pick up the word of God, or you try and memorize it, and all hell's going to break loose in your life. That's how it works. See, Satan knows that if we live our lives founded on the word, there's no vulnerable spots in our life. It has everything we need for life and godliness. So, brothers and sisters, let's be people of the book. I see people of the word from Genesis to Revelation. And don't get me wrong. Like we went through Leviticus here on Wednesday night. Or wasn't Groot going through Leviticus? I mean, that never happens. And, I, and listen, I realize Leviticus is like the graveyard of your through the Bible in a year reading plan. It's like everybody throws in the towel if you even make it through the end of Exodus. I get that. So some stuff is hard to understand, and it may not be as encouraging as Psalms or Proverbs or the Gospel of John, but like God will still meet you on those pages. And if rather than quitting, just skip past it. You can go back and listen to all the series we did through Leviticus if you're feeling saucy, you know? But like study the words, like study that stuff, man. It's God's word. And notice what happens if we study the word. Verse 21, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord your God swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. He's like, look, this is about your blessing. This is about the multiplication of your days. That's a powerful thing. Don't we have a promise like that in the New Testament where Paul quotes children on your fathers and mothers and it says, and this is the first commandment with promise that it might go well for you. We don't realize that length of life is also tied in to obedience. Length of life is tied into this stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people who love Jesus and they go out way too early. God takes them home too early. And you've got to remember that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. It says that in the Bible. So I remember the first time I read that, when I first read through the Bible for the first time, I was still grieving the loss of my mother. And I remember reading that and being like, ooh, I don't think I like that. But what I realized is that when God brings one of his kids home, that's really where they belong. And they were just on loan here. And it leaves a big hole in our hearts. So much grieving and sadness, but they're home now. Like, my mom's home. And that's super cool. Like, when I get home, I'm going to be reunited with my mom. So we have to remember that, that it's not like you're going to live to be 20 you know, million years old if you follow all the commandments. Because we do live in a fallen world with a fallen creation and fallen bodies and all this stuff. But that is why people lived a lot longer in the Old Testament. Because as sin proliferated in the world, the life expectancy got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until when? Until the scientific revolution. 
And then all of a sudden, the advent of modern medicine, and then we figured out how to get our life expectancy from about 35 to now somewhere in the early 60s. But that's because of the technology, but it had been slowly going down for the longest time. And that's because of the effects of sin. Because in the Garden of Eden, God said, if you eat of this tree, what? You will surely die. And that's what's happened. Okay. Verse 22. For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, and to hold fast to him, then, verse 23, the Lord will drive out all of these nations from before you. You will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he said to you. So now we're reminded again that when the people, when they're obedient, that the Lord will drive out the nations from before them and he will, they will dispossess nations greater than them. Now, if you were to read the book of Joshua, what you find is that the children of Israel are sojourners, they're travelers. I mean, they were slaves a generation earlier. And they're going into walled cities, but the Lord is fighting for them. And he's saying, look, if you're obedient, I'm going to dispossess these nations. I am giving you the land that they are currently occupying. But don't miss the fact, although the Lord is doing the battle, the children of Israel had to go and fight anyway. Now, I think this is important for you and I to realize that in the work of God's kingdom, God is doing the work, but he asks us to be engaged in it. And I think for a lot of us, we forget that God wants to partner with you to see his kingdom enter the world. And I think for a lot of us, we need to start making space for the work of God's kingdom because it actually takes people to do it. God could have done it where it doesn't take people, but God actually enjoys having you involved. And my, we say it here at Crosses that because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith fully engaged. We want every person who calls Crossroads home to be a fully engaged family member doing the thing that God has created you to do within the family of God and in the community to see God's kingdom touch down. Are you taking those steps? God was going to deliver the, the nations, but the children of Israel still had to go to war. They still had a part to play in it. And the same is true for us. And then, again, we get these geographical boundaries. Lebanon on the south and the Euphrates River, the Western Sea, that's the Mediterranean. So all of that land that God had promised to them, a land that the children of Israel actually had never fully occupied, even still to this day. They've never fully occupied the land. People say, well, I thought God promised it to them. They're going to let dwell on the land. Listen. When Jesus comes back and he institutes his kingdom on earth, you can read about it in the end of the book of Revelation, also the end of the prophet Isaiah, that land is going to be the people of God's. That's a whole other discussion. So I just throw that out there for, to spin you up a little bit, to get your Bereans going where you study the scriptures. But things like where the lions are going to lie down with the lamb and the kid's going to pray in the serpent's hole, that's all speaking of a time when what you see on the nature channel ends because there won't be killing anymore back to what God intended to do. When Jesus returns and sets up his reign on the earth, there's going to be no more of 
you know, if, if a lion, I would say if a lion and a lamb meet each other, the lion has lunch and the lamb is gone. <laughs> you know, that's how, if, if the kid plays in a serpent hole, they're going to get hurt because we have a fallen creation. But when Jesus returns, he's going to put things back to rights the way things ought to be, the way God intended them to be. So we get all that and, that, and we have that to look forward to. So if someone's ever talking, man, don't forget the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The Lord's going to come back and it's going to be good. Now I'm going to close out this chapter, this first section. Look what it says in verse 26. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. Now it shall be when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess, that you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not the other side of the Jordan towards the setting sun in the land of the Canaanites who dwell in the plains opposite Gilgal beside the terebinth trees of Morah? For you will cross over the Jordan and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you and you will possess it and dwell in it. And you shall be careful to observe all the statutes and judgments which I set before you today. Now, this section closes, and we're going to go in in the next set of messages into this blueprint series. We're going to go through all these laws again. But he's saying, look, I set before you blessing and cursing. There's only two ways to go. You either are blessed for obedience or you're cursed for disobedience. And it's one of those things, like, you know, people say, well, everything's not black and white. Everything isn't black and white, but a lot of things are. And God's blessing and cursing, they're very black and white. When you obey, you will experience God's blessing. When you rebel, you will experience God's cursing. And it's interesting that God says there's just going to be this recital, this proclamation of blessings and cursings that, that are going to go on these two mountains, Gerizim and Ebal. And you're going to get to that at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. You're going to see that where they're on either mountain and they're shouting out, they're proclaiming God's blessings and his cursings. And my friends, listen, I want to close this series. I want to close this message with this way. God created you to bless you. The reason you are here is to be not only somebody who experiences God's blessing, but somebody who is a vehicle through whom which God's blessing enters the world. God has created you brand new in Christ to be the place where his kingdom touches down. But that can only happen if we respond to Jesus in obedience. The fullness of God's blessing. Because you know what happens when you're disobedient? You have to spend time cleaning up the message you're making. Your energy is consumed with that. Right? But when you simply respond to Jesus, when you're obedient to the word of God, God frees you up to experience and be the vehicle to whom not only your life is blessed, because it's not a selfish thing, it's God's looking for a life that can be a flow through for his kingdom. Jesus is Today's message laid out a simple truth for us. It's easier to obey God the first time than it is to have to clean up after our disobedience. God asks us to follow Him and to do so without question. 
Pastor Daniel reminded us how fruitful this way of living truly is. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver. Services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us, and if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, crossroadslive.tv. I look forward to seeing you soon. With that, Pastor Daniel's Refresh series has come to a close. The beginning of the book of Deuteronomy encouraged all of us to remember. Remember God's laws. Remember God's goodness. And remember the promises that he's made to all of us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 